What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast with Dr. Matt Hensley and Dr. Kyle Beerman. We thank you for joining us, but if you are looking for a Christ-centered, scripture-driven, and student-focused undergraduate education, or know someone who is, then look no further than Texas Baptist College. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, TBC is dedicated to providing trustworthy Christian higher education to undergraduate students no matter where God is calling them. And April 8th, you have the opportunity to explore everything TBC has to offer at its Spring Preview Day. Students and parents are invited to tour the campus, talk to the faculty, explore degree offerings, and meet fellow students. And Spring Preview Day is free. So get registered today at texasbaptist.com forward slash preview. Let's dive in. What is going on, Dr. Kyle, non-alcoholic beerman, coming to us live from Alpharetta, Georgia, or where are you in Georgia? Where's your hotel? Yeah, so it's in, it's in Alpharetta. Okay, okay. Um, so hopefully your stay... Hopefully your stay is a little shorter than last time that you don't get exposed to or positive with COVID and you can come home as scheduled, but it is good to see you. It is cold here in Farmersville. You're doing the Lord's work there in Alpharetta. So we're grateful for the work y'all are doing very hard for church replanters. And so today, recently we've talked about kind of some of the ways that we can preach, pray, love, and stay. When COVID just won't go away, and LifeWay Research came out with a, well, research study <laughs> that was sponsored by you guys, actually, North American Mission Board, and uh, and then Dr. Uh, Richard Dawkins, and it identified 12 key drivers of pastors continuing to serve as a senior pastor. So we're, we're kind of focusing in on pastors, but this really has some application, uh, really, whether you're a youth pastor or worship pastor, I would even say uh, in in some respects, a kind of a lay leader or or somebody that is serving Jesus as kind of a corporate missionary and uh, in the marketplace ministry. Uh, but as we talk about this, we're going to dive into six things we can do as pastors uh, to to stay. What we can personally address ourselves. In the next week, we're going to talk about six things that a church can do to help their pastor stay. And of course, one of those better be pay them like $300,000. That's one way that they'll probably say, no, uh, we're going to dive into that next week. So, so this will come together uh, really as kind of a continuation of our call to preach, pray, love, and stay. Uh, That really being kind of one of the keys. We need to preach, we need to pray, we need to love. uh, But all of that kind of stuff really can, can falter if we're not willing to stay for the long haul. So Kyle, first of all, it's good to see you. It's good to see you with Hotel Coffee. And it's good to dive into this together. And uh, so when we talk about six things a pastor can personally address to stay in the ministry, uh, what's number one? Number one is courses on interpersonal skills. Okay, so this is uh, being a people person. Uh, You know, ministry is people. We have to be around people. And so that means that we need some interpersonal skills. Uh, That's kind of part of it. Uh, Well, their research found that pastors who have taken courses on interpersonal skills 
are nearly five times more likely to remain in the pastor. That is because, again, we're with people. If you can't relate to people, you're going to struggle in, in ministry. Even if, you know, introvert, extrovert, all of that is there. You know, the people that are extroverts, that are huge type A, just driven, uh, if they don't have interpersonal skills, they're going to struggle. Even if you're introvert and maybe, you know, being with people is draining, if you're not able to relate to people, you're going to, to struggle. And the church is made up of People. people. And we've heard the cliche time and time again, like if you're looking for the perfect church and find it, don't join it because you're just going to mess it up. We're imperfect people serving a perfect Savior, and we're gathering all of these imperfect people together in a church. And there's going to be people with good days, bad days, and everything in between. And we're trying to maintain unity. <laughs> That's like a priority that Jesus gave us. So uh, there are going to be disagreements and conflicts. And so get, give us just a, a quick illustration and application for having some interpersonal skills. You know, somebody shows up on your, your doorstep with a problem and you just scream at them at the top of the lungs, get off. My <laughs> That's not what we do. So what's no, no, but, but I mean, as, as pastors, I mean, I think every pastor's experienced this, right? So it, you're getting ready to begin the Sunday morning worship service and somebody comes up with what they, at least in their mind is an emergency right? Toilets clogged. Um, you know, they're having, they're experiencing some personal problem. And, and right now is the moment that they have to talk to you about that. Um, if, if you don't have good interpersonal skills, you can um, ruin <laughs> that moment. Um, right. It, it, now, every pastor I know would say, I, I don't have time to address this right now, but I want to get back to that. Right. Rather than saying, how dare you interrupt me on this holiest of mornings when I'm getting ready to go preach, uh, never talk to me again. Right. I, I, I mean, no, no pastor. I don't, I don't think would ever say that, but sometimes we can come off as a bit abrasive if we don't have interpersonal skills. And that's why in the work of replanning, we would, um, I think this would fall under what we would call emotional intelligence mm. and knowing how to deal with people and people have emotions. And, and, and sometimes, and I think especially in, in churches and especially in the work of, of replanting revitalization, not everyone is emotionally healthy, right? And so you need to understand that because the way that you respond as a spiritual leader, as a pastor can, without, without you meaning to, can devastate people if you don't have good interpersonal skills, good emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah for sure. There's, there's a time and place for, for that firm reply. Uh, or even even perhaps abrasive in what would come across as somewhat mean. You know, we've talked yeah. on the show about a situation that we had at Mayhill uh, before where it required a direct, firm, get-out voice. And, and then there's other times where they may not realize that this isn't the time or the place to come up and say, hey, you know, the, the, the light's off in the bathroom or something. Like, yeah. we, we keep telling you to turn it on. You know, it's not the time or the place because you're about to get up. Preach the word of God, but you're a grown up, you know, you, you've trained for this. And, uh, and so, you know, a, a soothing, calm reply, you know, Hey, let's, let's, let's visit with that about that right after the service. Super simple. You don't have to be mean about it. Number two, share struggles with your spouse. Now, I think we've talked about this a little bit in, in different people have different approaches when it comes to like the, the stuff that happens at church and so forth bringing it into the home. Like there, there are certain 
you know, approaches that different people make, but pastors who openly share their struggles with their spouse each month are five and a half times more likely to remain in yeah. the pastorate. And, uh, and so I, I don't think this is them saying, Hey, dump everything on your spouse. Like, you know, as soon as you come in, man, you know, that one member, she's just a jack wagon and is driving me crazy that, you know, just unloading on them, certainly not with your kids, but it's also, you know, when we hold that stuff in, uh, usually there can be the wrong trigger that just lets it all out. And, uh, and so we need to share some of the struggles with our spouse. I, I think y'all modeled that a, uh, a healthy way in Alamogordo. Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah. I mean, Alamogordo was, we, we saw a lot of good things, but, but there were certainly struggles, right? I mean, there was, there was discouragement, um, you know, there were some, there were some days of, of, um, I would say even doubting, you know, just, man, are we, are, are we making a difference? Is there, is there any headwind? Um, and, and you're right. I don't, I don't think you want to dump all of that baggage onto your spouse. Um, and, and this, this, I mean, how much you share in, in this way could vary from, from relationship to relationship. Right. Um, you know, in, in our case, um, I mean, I was, I was pretty open with Michelle about, you know, um, not necessarily, you know, all the, all the mean conversations someone had, but, you know, just, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I don't know if this is going to make it <laughs> some days, you know, and then, but, but the, the flip side of that, that too is, is, is I would say, you don't want to, want to share struggles, but you want to share joys. Like, Hey, I had this conversation today and that went really well. Um, and, and I'm really excited. Right. And so I think there's, there's two sides of this. And that is that you just, you want to share your experience with your spouse. Um, because you're a team together. I mean, right. And, and, and Matt, I don't know if you've experienced this. Uh, Michelle has in every single church that I've been a part of, she has been in on the interview at least for a little while. And, and I remember she, she remarked a couple of years into our marriage, she goes, is there another career? Like, is there another career path where, where the spouse is in on every interview? Um, and she goes, they're not hiring me, but, but, but I'm in there. Right. I mean, cause it, we're a family unit and they want to make sure that she's, that she's on board with, you know, I'm not just saying, Oh, I'm doing ministry. We're moving here <laughs> regardless yeah. of what you say. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly didn't have uh, Rebecca in my interview at run on uh, running store. It wasn't part of the interview process. <laughs> no. uh, number three uh, really kind of ties into this. And, and I think I, I want to make a point about this uh, specifically is sharing struggles with the Bible study group. Now, in order to do that, you have to be a part of a Bible study group, yeah. you know, whether that's Sunday school or growth group. And, and I know that there's a thousand things that especially kind of in a replant setting that the pastor's having to do. I fell into this. Uh, and so I would usually have one that I just kind of hung in for a while and stayed for a little bit and slipped out. You need that more than you know. Even if you're not teaching in it, that's probably a good thing. But it, it helps you be less of the preacher guy and more of their pastor. You're having relationships with five, six, 10, 15 people that's then more people that are kind of in your corner and you know, and, and you have that deeper relationship with, but that's also a place for you to be able to open up because, you know, in the pulpit, that's not the time that you're going to air your dirty laundry uh, and probably not in the Bible study either, but you, you can be a little more open and transparent in that, that time too. And, and, and this needs to be done in a healthy way. I don't, I don't know if you've seen, you've, you've probably seen the video on YouTube um, where the pastor gets up there and he like opens his Bible and he just stops. He starts like shaking 
Yeah. And and he goes, you guys, right? And and then he just like uh, for the next two minutes unloads on his on his church and is even like, Dan is the worst. Like, <laughs> you didn't know that, Dan, right? And I mean, it's a it's a funny video. It's it's been a satire, but I I think every pastor, every minister I know resonated with that because we've all been there, right? Where you just like, like you want to just unload everything. And, and that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Now I would say you need someone in your life. Um, well, that's another pastor or a mentor, um, and not your spouse for this one where, where you can just unload everything. Right. Um, and, and you, you need some sort of an outlet that way. In a Bible study group, I, I think this does a couple of things. Um, again, you're probably not going to share your struggle. Uh, you know, man, I got a call from Miss Mildred this week, and she's just driving me up the wall. I, I don't know why she's even still a part of this church. Right? You don't want to do that in your Bible study group. I, so I, I, I would see this one more as like personal struggles, right? Man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going through a season of depression right now, and I don't really know what what to do with it. Um, you know, just kind of dealing with some some doubt and uncertainty. Uh, and I think that does a couple of things, right? So for, the first one is that if, if you're involved in a, in a Bible study group, you have that support. You have a community there within your church. Um, secondly, for the people in your Bible study group, that's going to let them know that you are not, in fact, super pastor, right? You, you, are, you, you are not superhuman. You, you experience life and struggles the same way that they do. And I think that helps in, in, a, in a healthy church. I think that's a very important realization for the people in the pews to know that, that, that their pastor is a normal individual, right? Re- experiences life just like everyone else does. And is trying to not just lead a church, but grow in his own relationship with the Lord, um, just like they are. And I, I, just, I think that levels the playing field. And I think that's very, very healthy for a, for a church. Speaking of healthy, another big one is the pastor's marriage, uh, and and so I think we can all say uh, we could use a little help, and uh, even Charles and Susanna uh, Spurgeon did, and uh, and so you know my spouse is very satisfied with my marriage today. You know I I I, I wonder if Nam sent that out to all the replanners, especially you know those that are having to wear a whole lot of can, uh, hats, all of that kind of stuff. I would love to see like their specific responses for, for that. Uh, but those that are satisfied with the marriages, uh, with their marriage, it should just be one, <laughs> not multiple marriages. Uh, that corresponds with pastors being more than twice as likely to remain in the pastorate. Look, if you're a pastor and, and the wife just hates it, everything about it, and, and is struggling with that, that is going to be hard for you to to last if if God doesn't ultimately change her heart or or whatever it might be. Uh, but the more that a pastor feels their spouse is satisfied with their marriage, the more they're likely to remain in the pastorate, according to the research. And so we need to keep our marriages healthy. There's a lot of ways you can do that. We've talked about that before, dating your spouse. Mark Dance, uh, who's we just talked about on the, uh, the potluck uh, that is coming to Guidestone, uh, for some pastor wellness, he's one that really helps you win at home and at church, you know, and so it's, it's, that's his line, that's his saying, and, and really loves to encourage pastors. Usually anytime we talk, it's, it's, when was your last date? Like, that's almost always something he's going to ask. And so we need to be dating our spouse. Uh, money might be tight. There's other ways to, to do that, even kind of intentional date nights at home. 
but uh, but you need to invest in your marriage because it's going to last longer than your your ministry, uh, most likely. You know, unless death or or something like that, your your marriage is going to last far longer than your ministry. And so keep it strong, and and that's going to help you uh, you know really survive long term. And with that, protect time with your family. I think those two things are connected. Uh, your your wife is going to appreciate you as a husband and as a father if you're protecting that time with her, with them, with your kids. And uh, and so those that consistently protect time with their family correspond on average to being more than twice as likely to remain in the pastorate. Uh, the family is a pastor's most vital form of support. And uh, and so so I think that's in, in, important. We've talked about that too. You know, your, your, your family is your first ministry. It's not Mayhill Baptist Church. It's not First Baptist Alamogordo. It's not the CBA. It's not NAM. Uh, our, our family is that first line of ministry that we have. Kyle? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I see this almost going back to the whole, um, to the whole idea of Sabbath, right? You need a place of rest. And if, if so, so imagine, I mean, especially in the work of replanning revitalization, Churches are not always um, restful places during that season, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of things happening. Um, sometimes there's turmoil. Sometimes there's just a, a lot of activity, even if it's good activity that's happening at the church uh, as, as new life is coming back to it, right? And so we all need a place of rest. And that should be, I think, the home, right? With, with, with your wife, with your kids. And so I, that... The, the marriage, um, if, if the marriage is not a, a, a safe place of, of rest, you know, if there's if there's tension there, then in a lot of cases, I mean, you're going from a stressful situation to a stressful situation all the time. Right. And you're, just, you're living in these in these high stress environments. And that's not that's not healthy for you. That's not healthy for your marriage. That's not healthy for the church um, to, to just be kind of on the, in that high stress environment all the time. And, and yeah, something's going to break in that, in that scenario. And the same thing with, with family, right. And protecting time with it. Again, I think that goes back to rest. That goes back to the idea that, that your family is your first ministry and they have to know that they have to know that they're a priority and that, um, you know, family movie nights, family dinner nights are not constantly getting interrupted by, by meetings. And look, sometimes that happens, right? I mean, especially if you are a a single staff uh, pastor, um, funerals are not convenient, right? They, they, they never seem to happen at convenient times. Um, sometimes there's an emergency or, or, you know, some weird meeting or something like that. I, I think the key is to not, not say, well, that's, I'm never going to allow that to happen. But I think that the key is to say, um, it's going to be rare that I allow those to interfere. Um, and that's going to be very much the exception and not the rule. Um, I know for you, your kind of your your day off and that, that precious time with the with with your girls is is on Mondays. Um, ours has typically been Fridays, and now um, the kids are in a even though they're in a, a Christian school, they they get most Fridays off, and so that's kind of our our day. And so, I mean, even though I'm not my job, I'm not off on Fridays, but but I have one of those work from home jobs where you know I, I have a lot of flexibility. So so when the kids are home, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm spending time with them. Um, while still getting work done and, uh, and just make sure that that's a priority. Don't neglect your family. Um, don't, don't, don't sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. Uh, because as you said, your, your family is, 
a permanent thing. Your ministry at any local church is temporary. Even if you're there for 40 years, that's temporary. Your family is permanent. And uh, we need to keep those things in perspective. Yeah. And, and another practical thing, just real quick, that, that has helped me is my, my new role has a lot of meetings. Uh, you know, even in my, my role at, at Mayhill Baptist in my calendar, you know, I had everything broken down by sermon prep and meetings and all of that kind of stuff, too. But something that is really helpful, especially if your kids are old enough to kind of realize what it is, if they're, you know, two years old, three years old, it's only going to help you. But if they're old enough to realize it, is put them on the calendar. Uh, where where they can see that, yes, this is a time that I'm planning for, I'm excited about, this is something I'm going to do. And, and it also, the other side of that is it helps you be able to say, you know, when something comes up that maybe isn't a funeral or a crisis, we're going to say, I'm sorry, I've already got a meeting that day. Yep. I'm and, not available. You no, know, yeah. it's just, you know, don't us with my daughters. It's still a meeting that is on my calendar and, and it's not lying or anything else like that. But it shows them and ours is color coded so they know where they are in my calendar. And there's usually something for each of them throughout the week. And, and so it's just, it's an easy way to show them that they care on your calendar and you're planning for it. And, uh, and then the final thing for what you can do to stay is ministry humility. And, uh, and so Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. We know this, this is true in both life and ministry. If you are a prideful husband, you're going to have marriage struggles. If you're a prideful pastor, you're going to have ministry struggles. But pastors maintaining a biblical posture of focusing on what God is doing and avoiding giving themselves credit is a long way forward in being humble in ministry. And because uh, we want to see our work prosper, we want to see what we do go well. Uh, but one of the best things we can do is realize that it's not about us. It's not our kingdom that we're growing. It's not our platform that we're building. We're trying to advance the kingdom. We're trying to give God glory. And, uh, and so even a subtle shift, uh, the author says, in a pastor's mind towards thinking about what led them through that progress or what led them through it uh, in, in God's work in it uh, is really going to be helpful. Our identity is not in the growth of our church or whatever we're doing. It's ultimately what God is doing in and through us. Kyle, why does that matter? Yeah. In, in the work of ministry, it would be wrong to say that the, um, the work of the pastor is not important, right? I think, I think we would all say it's important, but it's not ultimate, right? You, you are not building your own kingdom. And if you are, that's a big issue, right? We, we are to be about the work of the kingdom of God. And, and I love what Paul said, I believe it was in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, where, you know, people are, are fighting and they're saying, you know, well, I, I follow Paul and well, I follow Apollos and, and they're fighting. And, and, and he just says, well, who, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? He said, I, I planted, or I, I, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, right? It's, it's God who's overseeing the whole process. And, and that just really keeps things into perspective, right? Someday you're no longer going to be at that church, whether that's three years, 15 years, 30 years, whatever you, you know, we've talked about this before. Everyone is an interim pastor in the grand scheme of things. And it's God who oversees the process. Um, and I just, I love uh, a quote that, that comes to my mind often is from 
uh, I believe it was uh, Count Zinzendorf who said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten, right? I mean, that's shouldn't that be all of our goals as, as and yeah, pastors? we all remember like, him because of that quote. That's the, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, if you look back through, I mean, even the, the Southern Baptist convention, right. How many pastors can you name? Right. Right. Right now in this, in this moment, there are 47,000 churches. How, how many, how many pastors can you name offhand? And if you go back, say over the last hundred years, how many pastors can you remember his history? It's very few. And I'm, I'm just going to say, you're probably not one of the, Matt, maybe you, because people are going to look at those pictures and go, what on earth is that beard? But for most of us, we're not in that group of, of guys who are going to be remembered. And that's okay. And the other thing to remember, too, is is a lot of those that we kind of remember those names and, and, and so forth didn't always finish well. There's a ton of right. folks that are, are of those 40,000 or so, or years when it was more or less, whatever, that preached for... 40, 50, 60 years, did it faithfully. Nobody knew them. They came, they voted, they baptized, they married, they buried, all of that kind of stuff and did so, so faithfully, so humbly and to the glory of God. And that's what matters. And then those that sometimes we we see or or there's that one one book uh, and, and now I can't remember the name, but like you you flip it over and, and it's, it's really a, a book on like, leadership and lasting and all of that kind of stuff, but you flip it over and all of the endorsers have been disqualified from ministry by now. And, yeah. uh, and so it's, it's one of those where sometimes those that we know don't always finish well. And, uh, and so, and perhaps because of this very thing right there, you were, you were still talking before I interrupted. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. I'm just saying that's, that, that helps us keep it in perspective, right? It's not to say that the work we, we do is not important, but it's not ultimate, right? In, in the event that, that you're hit by a bus, your church is going to find another pastor, right? Like, like there is someone else whom God will send in to, to, to complete that work. So it, the, the work of the pastor is important. The work of leading people and proclaiming the word is important, but you are not all that important, right? You, you are replaceable. And, and I just think that we, we need to keep that in mind and serve humbly. And that helps us with, I think if, if we keep a, a humble spirit, that helps with everything else we've been talking about, right? It's okay to share my struggles um, because there, there's no facade that I'm like super spiritual because that's, I've, I've taken that away. Um, that helps in our interpersonal skills and the way we relate even to the most difficult of people um, because I'm not somehow above them, right? And, and like lording this thing over that. No, I get to, I, I can relate to them in a kind and gentle way. Um, if I'm, if I'm humble. Yeah, indeed. And so the more pastor believes the church would not have achieved the progress it has without me, the less likely they are to remain in the pastorate according to this research. And so these six, again, these are the things that you can do. Pastors can do personally to address their longevity in ministry. And that was courses on interpersonal skills, sharing your struggles with your spouse, not dumping on them, uh, you know, they're not the garbage disposal or whatever, you know, that's not that. Uh, but sharing your struggles with them, sharing your struggles with the Bible study group to talk through that, uh, your marriage, your time with family, humility. And as Kyle said, I think humility really ties a lot of these things together. And we'll be back next week to discuss the six things that churches can do to help pastors have 
longevity. And it's a great list, very practical. And, uh, and we'll talk about that and maybe some things we would add from our ministry careers to this point. And uh, so thank you for tuning in. Kyle, why don't you send us out? And, uh, and we'll see you next week. Until next time, may your coffee, which I hope is better than this hotel coffee, be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Thanks for joining us today at Not Another Baptist Podcast. We're also grateful for our sponsors, the Christian Standard Bible, who present the truth of God's Word with accuracy and clarity for today's readers, equipping them for lifelong discipleship. It's a Bible you can teach from with confidence and a Bible you can share with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. The CSB, accurate, readable, shareable. Visit csbible.com for more. What's wrong with you people?